On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Toe the Wet Sprocket, Dulcinea, and Coil. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Paul Zotter and Ken Gregory as we continue in the Toad the Wet Sprocket catalog covering Dulcinea and Coil. I'm not done yet. (laughs) Sorry. Forgot I hadn't done all the good stuff. It's been it's been a while, man. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) All right. Uh Ken, do you want to give us your context or or can I do my spiel? Or how do you want to do it? Now we're gonna slam through uh the boo or yay game. I'm gonna say uh for the second stage of To The Wet Sprocket, they're now kind of uh, on a parallel track with Radiohead. Uh, and just, just, just bear with me. Um, so we got, during this period, we've got Pablo Honey, 1993, The Benz, 1995, OK Computer, 1997. Okay, we've, we've got two albums from Toad, and we've got three albums from Radiohead, but they're in this uh, kind of, crossover a little bit of classic rock meets the the kind of new alterna noise that was going on at the time so we're going to play the boo or yay game with radiohead and the timeline of progressive rock pablo honey i i'm not qualified to to play the oh game the bends you guys don't know that one i got nothing oh god okay computer you better say awesome awesome paul you're muted Sorry. Um, yeah, here's the problem with Radiohead. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that Joe's introduction to Radiohead was the same as mine, which was that song Creep. <laughs> and that made me not want to ever listen to Radiohead again. Um, I actually own Pablo Honey. I just I haven't listened to it in probably 20 years. But what's that one song? Oh, it's like he flips into falsetto. Um, High and Dry. Is there a song called High and Dry? Yeah. Whatever album that is on, I give a yay. Because okay. I love that song. All right. It, it, it's better than nothing. I'll, I'll take whatever I can get. Okay. Um, sorry. Okay. So, 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 so for um, new listeners to Progressive Palaver, if you really want to hear us uh, trek through the 90s, go back to episode 55 and we talk about Genesis Calling All Stations and we do a sweep through the uh, 90s. Right now, we'll do the abbreviated uh, uh, version of that. Um, so, so during this period, while Toad is doing Dulcinea and Coil, we've got a lot of weirdness in the world of prog rock. And it would make sense that, that the neglected prog rock audience would kind of blend into the alterna stuff. That, that's what was on the radio. That's what was in the concert halls. And it was pretty cool and pretty good stuff. 
Oh boy, Pink Floyd in 1994 is doing the Division Bell. Yay or boo? Yay. Yay. Queensryche is doing Promised Land. Yay. Yay. Okay. All right. Good stuff there. Um, <laughs> electric Light Orchestra. Moment of truth. Joe, you, you know a little bit about um, yeah, ELO. I've got to. I've got to say yay on anything Jeff Lynne does. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I'm passing on that one. Okay. I, I don't think we knew anything about Big Big Train back then, but Goodbye to the Edge of Steam was out then, and I think we just kind of tip our hats to them in awe um, <laughs> now that we do know about them. Okay, so it's, 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 it's definitely a, a weird time for Prague. We're not seeing a lot from the, 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 uh, the classic geniuses of the uh, 70s and 80s. Spock's beard is active in this time. Porcupine tree is active in this time. King Crimson, believe it or not, uh, released an album in 1995 called Thrack. Pink Floyd does Pulse in 1995. Jethro Tull does uh, Roots to Branches in 1995. Uh, the Flower Kings are active. We had no idea who they were. Mr. Bungle is active. Boo or yay? Boo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, Tom I likes I seem to recall liking Mr. Bungle, but I, I don't know. I'll, I'm present. Present, present and accounted for. Wow. Okay. All right. Also in this period, we have uh, Glass Hammer. I'm just now getting familiar with them. Uh, Steve Howe released a 1995 uh, solo album called Seraphim that I should get into. Uh, Saga did something called Generation 13. I'm not too familiar with. Uh, very, very interesting, strange time. Even Alex Lifeson is doing a solo album, 1996. It's called Victor. I have no idea what it is. I'll give that one a yay. Have you heard Good it? Man. I haven't heard it. I, I had it. Yeah, there's a, it, there's a great um, oh, it, there's a great classic um, Alex Lifeson riff from that. It's, it's like uh, it's like uh, Oh, yeah. Right. Um, but that I was guess. about it off of that. Yeah. Okay. And, 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 and that was his warm up for 1996 Rush album, Test for Echo. Test for Echo. Dorier. Put your yay in a modem, Ken. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one. That's a half yay. <laughs> That's a half yeah. yay. You get halfway through that, and then you start vomiting. But the '90s were a really tough time. Really I, that's why I'm rating this man. It's tough. Uh, yes, keys to ascension, Bourier. Yay! Yay! There you go. Okay, now we're back on track. Um, <laughs> uh, switching to uh, 1997, uh, Queens directed here in the now frontier. Boo! Yeah, that's going to have to be a boo. Merle and this strange engine. Yay! yay. Genesis calling all stations. Yay. yay. Okay. Uh, yes, keys to Ascension 2. Yay. Yay. Yes, open your eyes. Oh, I- <laughs> <laughs> it started okay. off as a yay in way back when, and it's it, it's it's just slid downhill to a boo ever since. I just I feel obligated to say yay out of respect, but it's got to be yeah. a boo. Okay. Um, also active during this period, uh, Roger Hodgson, who's back in full force and, and, and very alive and well in the hearts of Prague fans. 
Um, but in, indeed, this illustrates the odd time that we had and the, the Proggers uh, getting into the uh, pop alternative music that we were hearing on the radio. Yeah. Well done, Ken. And I, and I have to say that I recall the 90s. So somebody, and I think we all, and, and we've probably talked about it at some point in time, we've all, we all have very poppy sensibilities growing up in the coming of age of the 80s, right? We all have our little joys about the, about the pop world that, um, that we've loved. And in the 90s, it just wasn't that good. So there was no... There was there was no release of um, of uh, any of that, and I and I'm certainly happy to admit that I just wasn't a I didn't have a wide lens to prog music. I, I don't even know that I that I do now. So a lot of these you know opportunities to enjoy progressive rock in the '90s just flew right by me while I was waiting for the next Pink Floyd album or you know <laughs> waiting for Yes or Marillion to put something out. So so it's a uh, you know, I do remember uh, while, while I mean, these two albums that we're going to talk about, I drove so much listening to these albums in the 90s. And uh, Dulcinea, I drove up and down the Blue Route so many times uh, listening to to Dulcinea. And I think also well, right, on the like flip side of the tapes of, of Dulcinea was like, seals second album oh. which which is a gem right it is a gem. and um and the debut or maybe not the debut but the um the counting crows album that went really big um that was beautiful it really was yeah there's some great stuff on there those are like the two things i remember from li listening with that and then the what i remember listening around coil was like believe it or not like alanis morissette's like jagged little pill Maybe because I, you know, I found like some of the songs on that album to be really interesting. Her um, band is always smoking, man. Everybody yeah. can seriously effing play. Yeah, so I, I really remember liking that, and um, and I remember Ear Candy being in the mix with uh with on those car rides, um, a lot uh, as well. So uh, it just didn't really seem like oh, and Tears for Fears, probably Raúl and the Kings of Spain. So those for me are like the shining moments of <laughs> shout out of, to Nick D. Virgilio who, uh, who who had a little bit of a break with Tears for Fish. There you go. So so yeah, I those are like the shining moments. And you put all of those things together and and I think above all of it is is Dulcinea and and Coil. These are two albums that I continue to listen to front to back all the time. Wow. That brings up a fascinating point. Um, you did mention King's X. Uh, uh, we hate to force rank our loved ones, but during this same period, we had the King's X album. Boo or yay? A yay. Yeah, that's a yay. Yeah, Dogman. Yay. Oh, yay. Ear Candy. Yay. Yay. And then we'll extend just a little bit beyond this toad period to uh, Tapehead 1998. Experimental. I would have said that would have been different. That would have been the opposite of uh, "Open Your Eyes." It was more of a boo at the time it came out. Yeah, and it has it has elevated to a yay since then. I remember. Okay. I remember that. I believe it was Tapehead. That was the year that Tom and I went to Vegas without you guys, 
and we hung out with friends of his, like, who lived there. So we got to see, like, real-world Las Vegas, which was interesting in and of itself. That's and, what Ken wanted to see all along. Yeah. All and, those. And then at mm -hmm. some point, we wound up at a record store, and neither Tom nor I knew anything about it. And Tom had one of his just delightfully Tom reactions when he saw it. And I remember buying it and we ran out into the parking lot and just attempting to destroy the speakers in his Jeep with this thing. <laughs> so that's, that's so, such, it's a wonderful vision of that in my head of you guys doing that. I love it. So that's, uh, that's my memory of tape hit, but let's, um, I, let, I'd like to get into the particulars of these two albums quickly, and then we can just kind of get into it. Reel us so, back in. So Dulcinea was released in May of 1994, produced by Gavin McKillop, released on the label Columbia, featuring the standard lineup of Glenn Phillips, Todd Nichols, Randy Gus, and Dean Dinning, um, covering vocals, guitars, drums, and bass, respectively. Track listing, Fly From Heaven, Wood Burning, Something's Always Wrong, Stupid, Crowing, Listen, Windmills, Nancy, Fall Down, Inside, Begin, and Reincarnation Song. Dulcinea is an album by Toad the Wet Sprocket released in 1994. It is their fourth studio album with Columbia Records and the follow-up to their popular album Fear, which was released in 1991. Two songs from Dulcinea reached top 40 designation on the modern rock and mainstream rock charts, Fall Down and Something's Always Wrong. Dulcinea was RIAA certified gold on September 1st, 1994, and platinum on July 31st, 1995. <clears throat> the album's name is a reference to the love interest in Miguel de Cervantes' classic Spanish novel Don Quixote. At least two songs in the album allude to themes found in the novel. Crowing is a song about a person who does not know how to hold on to a lover. Windmills is a metaphorical song about how people spend so much of their lives chasing absurd or impossible pursuits. The allusion being to a specific scene in Don Quixote where the title character uselessly attacks a windmill. The album's artwork, illustrated by influential artist Jason Holly, also explores Cervantes' windmill metaphor, depicting the incongruence between the way things are and how we tend to perceive them. Dulcinea also delves into some spiritual themes. Fly from Heaven is sung from the perspective of James, who is portrayed as Jesus' little, little literal brother, and is upset by Paul's manipulation of Jesus' word. Begin and Reincarnation Song each explore questions about death and the afterlife. Coil. Hold on. Hold, I, <laughs> I just have to say, say one thing about it. Um, so after just saying that, you know, these are my two favorite albums from an entire decade of music and that I still listen to them front to back and love them and enjoy them today, almost everything that you read about the songs, I had no idea about. <laughs> <laughs> well luckily the wikis will have no such revelations for coil so have no fear so well, coil was paul, paul had you been paying attention during uh choir class didn't 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 we sing a medley of don quixote dulcet no i got 
I did get the Don Quixote reference for sure. All right. But I, but I, I mean, honestly, if you would have even asked me if there was a Toad the Wet Sprocket song named Windmills on, on Dulcinea, I would have been like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't even know the names of the songs. That's, that's how much I love the album. I just listened to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I understand. So Coil was released in May of 1997, also produced by Gavin McKillop, also released on Columbia, has the same band lineup, Glenn, Todd, Randy, and Dean, track listing, Whatever I Fear, Come Down, Rings, Damn Wood Break, Desire, Don't Fade, Little Man, Big Man, Throw It All Away, Amnesia, Little Buddha, Crazy Life, and All Things in Time. Coil is the fifth studio album by Toad the Wet Sprocket, released in 1997. This was the band's last album for 16 years until 2013's New Constellation. As with the previous albums, Coil was released under the Columbia Records label and produced by Gavin McKillop. And that's what the wikis have to say about Coil, which is ridiculous. Wow. Would seem the wikis give as much credence to Coil as the rest of the members of the Palaver. Even though it is absolutely brilliant, yes. so I find I find these two albums to be interesting. You know, we talked about in our first Toad episode the fact that it's it's a you know in some ways perhaps a bit of a stretch to talk about Toad the Wet Sprocket on Progressive Palaver as they are not progressive in the strictest sense. Um, but we did find maybe some areas that anchor to the the general subject matter of this podcast beyond the fact that we just all for the most part love these albums i i i have always viewed these paul i think you're the same way um really you know fear dulcinea and coil are the the core toad sequence for me um, hmm. each one of them is in some way, shape or form related to the others. Um, but at the same time, they're each very different from each other. There's a lot of sort of maturation going on. And a lot of the, a lot of the things that we had talked about, um, that sort of came into being in fear really get you know, they develop much more. And, and I think the overall, the, the, the song structure um, and then the storytelling just really come together in these two albums and they sound so much better than fear. I, again, I don't know what was going on with fear, but it doesn't really matter from a production point of view, because on these two albums, I think it's absolutely brilliant and I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I think Gavin McKillop was also on Fear too. Yes. Yes. So, um, but but I but I think what was going on in Fear is that it was 1991 and this was going to be their breakout album, so they had to make it super produced. Yeah, I agree with you. Like production wise, like the 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 greatest thing about these two records is like finally either. Either, you know, either Todd Nichols realized that uh, or he just was allowed to 
plug into his amp and turn it up as loud as fucking possible. Um, and it finally started to sound good. Um, <laughs> and, and everything, you know, especially in the nineties for me, everything falls in right on, right after that. And, you know, Glenn Phillips sings in a wonderful range that is easy to sing at eight in the morning while you're driving to work. And, somehow delivers all the rage and angst necessary to get one through a day of corporate America. So, <laughs> Well, I'm talking about vocal range, um, in the previous episode, did you guys cover the stellar backing vocals that they get? I, I believe it's, uh, well, I believe it's, it's, is it Dean and Randy? Uh, uh, I believe uh, Dean Dunning, the bass player, and Randy goes a drummer. But I mean, just just I, 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 I can't walk away from any album without kind of hearing not just um, Glenn's voice in my head, but the, mm. the full texture. It's amazing. Yeah. What they, what they deliver from album to album. Yeah, right on. And I, it definitely has evolved there, too. And it just kind of really comes together. You know, Tom is not here. And Tom has softened his stance. But but Coil has been one of these contention albums in our group for perhaps decades at this point. Um, and, and I find it funny that, you know, when we get to finally talking about it, there's really not much fuss to be made about it. And I always found that to be somewhat interesting. I, I guess in some ways I can understand why someone would would not respond to coil quite as much um i think in some ways dulcinea is a lot more accessible and, and, and i don't say that to be disparaging but i i think i i think there are some aspects of of coil that sort of push the envelope a little bit but for me, the way that album opens up just freaking slays me every time. And I just, mm. I love it. Oh, so good. I don't remember. I want to say that maybe Crazy Life was the single for from Coil. I don't remember them having uh, any big hits. Like Dulcinea, Something's Always Wrong was playing on MTV and on the radio and at the grocery store. Like it was kind of a crossover phenomenon. Yeah. And it's a, and, and it's, it's an, it's an incredible song, but it, it, it really became literally popular. I don't know. I don't know that there's um, the equivalent on coil. Yeah, no, I don't think so. And the interesting thing is, I believe Crazy Life was actually a holdover from Dulcinea, which I find to be interesting. So, so yeah, what I was saying was, I think Crazy Life was actually a holdover track from the Dulcinea se sessions. Ah, oh, that's ironic. Right? And, and, and that's the thing, right? I mean, some of the songs on, on Coil, right, they just... I mean, they're great, but they're not, they're they're not awesome. radio friendly, right? I, I, but at the same time, like, I don't know how, like, how is, how is throw it, throw it all away? Not a huge hit. Right. 
I oh god, I love that song. But maybe maybe we're getting too far ahead of ourselves with Coil. Um, maybe we need to spend some time with um... Dulcinea. Yeah. You know, the other thing is that Crazy Life was to Todd sings that song, doesn't he? Which which might be a little bit sort of the um, King's X Ty Tabor singing their only hit. Yeah. You know, and um. You know, maybe people were so used to Glenn, they, they couldn't buy into, I don't know. I, I mean, for what it's worth, Crazy Life is my least favorite on, on Coil. If I had to force rank all the songs, that, you would, had be, to? <laughs> that would be number 12. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think we're going to, uh, I don't think we're going to make you uh, make you do that. So when, Thank you. when Dulcinea came out, like, you know, obviously fear was where, you know, we got on the, the, the toad train. And so when Dulcinea came out, we were ready for it. We were excited. Um, and I want to say that Fall Down was the first single out of that. And it, and yeah. it had this sort of gritty aggression to it. Um, here again, you know, you know, Glenn has this ability to sort of just make me feel uncomfortable in, in you know, just the fact that he, he has no concern, you know, singing about anything. Um you know, I, I mean, it like the 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 chorus for that. I, I you know, I used to love singing this in the car as well, Paul. And when you get into that chorus, right, the the jump back, got to get out of here. Been too long this time. Um, jump back, got to get out of here. When will we fall down? I mean, it just it, 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 it's just kind of this gravelly delivery that is just so fun to sing, but. I mean, good Lord, she hates her life. She hates her skin. She even hates her friends. Um, you know, it, it just you're just looking at reading this and you're just like, it, it's it's total sonic dissonance because you're you're you've got this high tempo. You're you're having a great time listening to the music and, and the vocal line is great. But the subject matter, again, you're just like, oh, geez. Yeah, and it's amazing how and I don't know if he, if yeah, I don't know how that comes about, but it's amazing. But uh, also characteristic of the time. I mean, uh, on the backdrop of uh, Pearl Jam or Pearl Jam fan crossing over into pop, they would associate with the dark themes of that era. Well, I mean, and and Glenn seems to really love the 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 dark the dark themes, no doubt about it. I think I think that's what one of the things that makes Toad the Wet Sprocket qualify as progressive in so many circles is because there's sort of this um, uninhibited artistic approach to things, right? Whether it's a whether it's a sweet little like country ditty or uh, something a little bit heavier or just kind of a balls out. Uh, you know, alternative rock song. There's thought that goes into everything, and and that sort of deepness and the you know disregard for like, oh, this may make some people listening uncomfortable. It's almost like good. Let's make them uncomfortable. That sort of to me is what pushes Toad the Wet Sprocket over the threshold. And it's not done in a. It's not done in sort of a. Uh, tongue-in-cheek way or a cheap way or a way that um can't think of the way I'm, what i'm what i'm looking for but it's it's done with sincerity 
Yeah, and, and it's funny because, Paul, before you got you got on the call, Ken and I were discussing, you know, the basically Pink Floyd's The Final Cut and, and the effect of unadulterated Roger Waters, which, you know, when Roger would, you know, Roger also likes to rub your face in, in the shit, so to speak. But but Roger does it in a way that, you know, you you know that he's rubbing your face in the shit. Um, he, he pulls absolutely no punches and, and for however it is, Glenn's approach is different and, and you don't get the feeling that he's trying to make you feel bad. He's trying to shine a light on something perhaps, but in a way that you can digest it and, you know, eventually go, Oh, wait a second. There's something here. So mm. that's, that's my take. Yeah. As you go through an album like this, and, and again, I think a lot of Dulcinea is is really just accessible and, and, and great to get into. But, you know, there, there are always a couple of songs that, that at least initially pop out at you, right? Before some of the others, you know, the first hooks that you, you sort of glom onto. And for me, and still to this day, um, it, it's it's got to be Stupid and Nancy. They're the two hmm. that sort of grabbed me right away. Um I I find I find the 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 story in as it's told in stupid to be you know somewhat interesting you know there again it you've got a bit of sonic dissonance in the way that sounds versus what's going on but I think lyrically he delivers that in a very clever way and um, you know it and, and talk about cheap tricks and and I everyone knows that I get suckered in with with the cheap trick you know sometimes but on Nancy I, I love the way you know he he goes through with the you take Nancy for me for me Loretta's fine and then he ends up flipping that which is it, it just it makes me laugh and I love yeah. to sing it you know did you guys cover this line in his wiki, uh, he grew up in a household that practiced uh, reform Judaism, and uh, some of his uh, lyrics are just kind of dissecting religion. You know, I, I, I would say that we spent a fair amount of time kind of, you know, poking holes in religion as kids who went to public school and were, were, were curious about the, uh, I would say, the pompous nature of some of what was around us. Well, I think, you know, isn't that isn't that part of the joys of youth, right? I mean, that's your job to question everything, every kind of authority that gets put in front of you, whether, you know, it's it's religious, civic or anything else. We sure did. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Phillips is is is, is our age. Uh, I guess I'm the old man of the flavor. Phillips is uh 10 months younger and you guys are, you know, whatever, uh, you know, uh, four and five months younger. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, it's all the same, uh, generation. Phillips is uh, square in gen X. So he, he would have been, uh, in Santa Barbara and we would have been in the Philadelphia area, but, but still kind of faced with the same media influences and the same general, uh, impression of you know society and and us kind of looking at the boomers and the silent generation like what's up, Joe? As you were talking about you know we had all heard fear and we were ready for Dulcinea. I don't know that I was really on board. In fact, as you were saying that, I was thinking, was I really ready for Dulcinea? And I in fact, I think the only reason I own a copy of Dulcinea on CD is because Joe, I believe. 
that you bought me a copy and sent it to me because I at that up until that point I had refused to to buy it. And you actually sent it to me. I think you were already in Texas and you sent it to me and said you need this album. <laughs> and I think and I actually think you sent me that and and Seal's second album. Oh, well. And and then and then that's I proceeded to listen to those two albums for like a year. Um, <laughs> so see, I was right. You were absolutely right. But I but I do think that that you actually had to force me into listening to Dulcinea. But once I did, I obviously loved it. But here's another confession. So you know, singing in the car, I, I just I just want to sing whatever whatever's going. So I I learn the words as best I can, and I I usually don't pay much attention to them and and even when i learn them i may not necessarily spend a lot of time up front realizing what they are the opening line of fly from heaven starts with the words paul is making me nervous and and for whatever reason i thought the line was parties make me nervous <laughs> <laughs> And I swear to you, for years, that's what I would sing when when the song would come on. I had no idea what what was going on in that song until I think until years later when I when I was trying to like learn it to play it, and I pulled up the lyrics and I was like, oh, that makes way more, more sense than what I what I was singing. Yeah, it's it's funny how much of how how much you can listen to these albums and and sing what you think of the words and really have no clue clue what the hell's going on because you 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 know it's i don't know i don't know what drives that yeah but there's something about but, these toad records that it's it's almost like you you're uh, i this is going to sound terrible but it's almost like you just turn your brain off and just live in the in the in the song mm. and you know you, you very much become present in the moment when you listen to Toad the Wet Sprocket, I think. And it's a glorious thing. So as I'm sitting here talking about this, right, one of the things that my, my brother Dave likes to quote to me, um, I guess there was there was a Michael Stipe interview sometime before Document, you know, when they were the, the darlings of college radio back in the day. And no one could understand what the hell Michael Stipe was, was singing. And, you know, Michael Stipe's, reaction to that you know and i'll paraphrase as i remember it was you know he he wasn't concerned so much with with the actual words he was using his voice as a, as an instrument and so of course you know dave will go on to sort of then um point to the you know the the ultimate sellout when suddenly you could understand everything that michael's type was saying but that's mm. a that's that's a different thing but here we have a situation where by all rights, we should be able to understand what Glenn is singing. And yet, in the moment, it becomes almost not necessary to pay attention, which is interesting. I'd never thought about that until just this second. It, it borders a lot. It borderlines yes Yeah, uh, for me. You know, there's just such a great emotional quality in the music and in, and in the vocal delivery and in the melodies he's singing that... You know, you don't, you don't know, you don't know, like, you know, like we talked about in Close to the Edge, you don't know why you're going, yeah, 
ah, but you're doing it at the top of your lungs in your car because you're just carried away by it. And, and, and it's a similar experience with here. And listen, Toad the Wet Sprocket got to the point where I was getting certain lines wrong for so long, I decided, screw it. I like my version better. I'm, I've been singing it that way for 20 years. I'm going to keep singing it that way. There's that one song on, um, on Coil. That we um that I quote all the oh, time right, yeah. on our group Absolutely. on our group chat, and then you always correct me, and I'm like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I, and and we'll we'll get to that because that's a good one. Now, the other thing, yeah, we we talked about this in in fear. In in fear, Toad started to sprinkle in dark, brooding Joe music into their albums, and. You know, they, they, they do it again here and they will do it again in Coil. But yeah, and, and I've often thought I should make a, a, a playlist or, or something with just these songs all together and just go into my dark place for 40 minutes or whatever the case may be. But freaking listen, man. Oh my goodness. Do I love this song? Yes. That, the, the guitar melody is just a, it is exactly what you said. It's a brooding, dark dirge that just is like sucks you right in. What a what a fun a song to drive to, and um and that vocal break in the middle of the bridge in the middle is just like you said, Ken. Textures of vo- voices, mm. so so cool. Yeah, let's 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 just quickly visit the lyrics here, because I, I love just even the way it starts. Well, I wonder, do we learn? Seems we're making the same wrong turn. Call you sacred, call you obscene, call you faithless, call you anything. Call and you listen. And then we go on to the next verse. So I'm a liar, so it seems. My desire could justify anything. So is there nothing that lies in between this cold silence and a scream. Oh, and the way he mm. freaking delivers that line. Ah, God, it's just great. And then you get the, the vocal break you were talking about, I think, Paul. Yeah. Caught in the headlines, we are frozen, cannot hide. There's no break, no time. If you can, I might listen. Wow. Is it caught in the headlines? Yeah. I always thought it was headlights. <laughs> That's what I always thought it was <laughs> till this very moment. He did it to us again, but it, I it mean, feels like it feels like headlights makes more sense, especially when you're driving. Yeah, I, I, I'm on songmeanings.com and they have headlights. Ah, okay, okay. So there's there's some controversy. There is Game some on, controversy. man. Game on. Pull, pull up, fade. Don't fade. I want to see what they say. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But I mean, it. it really do you want me to do your teleprompter, dude? I can. <laughs> it really doesn't matter either way. Um, to be honest, I don't think. So, in that same Seal album, I think Joe that that you sent me along with Dulcinea, Seal actually spends time talking about how he didn't put lyrics in his his uh, sleeves, his jackets, because he remembers growing up listening to songs, and he would think the words were one thing. And he would sing them and he would love the song so much. And then later he would find out what the real words were. And he'd be like, oh, I don't like that as much. And so he felt like, yeah, if people get a couple words wrong, it doesn't matter. It, it makes it that much better for them. 
and and so it's kind of funny that that those two albums came together but i um i appreciate that perspective and um and agree with it what i don't agree with is ending dulcinea with the reincarnation song i've never never liked it really yeah see i'm okay with that actually tracks 11 and 12 begin and reincarnation song not my cup of tea i i don't have a problem with it it's kind of jarring and weird at first but it's you know i I don't know it i I guess i'm just used to these sort of little um appendix songs if you will at the end of of the albums that i like and it Mm. you know it it sort of gives you a moment to catch your breath before you just cycle back through to to the beginning and Mm. and go on or in your case flip the tape over and listen to seal that could have been it you know, knowing that was ahead of me, I, maybe I was just like... You were a little anxious? Right. I was like, forget this. Once Inside was done, I was like, I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, and, and here again, I'm, I'm stupid and, and not the most um, sophisticated of, of people. Um, I, I, honest, I, I didn't know anything about Don Quixote. I didn't know that Dulcinea was a reference to... Um, you know, a character in, in Don Quixote. Ah. And, you know, I, I, so when I discovered that, I thought, oh, well, here's here's some more layers to this that I find fascinating. So then Coil comes Joe, out. Joe, yeah. you've heard of the song Impossible Dream, right? To dream the impossible dream. I have indeed. You, that comes from the, unbeatable from folk. the Don Quixote musical. <laughs> the Man of La Mancha. I, and I'm... And it was sometimes like I, I figured out La Man, Man of La Mancha was Don Quixote, but you know, I, I there again, I, I still, I've never read the story. I, I know what I know just from popular culture references. Hmm. So, I always thought, boy, it's so funny. It's so funny that they chose the name Dulcinea. I wonder if they knew it was about the Man of La Mancha's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out they did. Yeah, they did. They wrote some, they wrote some songs about it. I just didn't realize <laughs> that one of my favorite cuts on there was actually called Windmills. Then Coil comes out. With precious few exceptions, I don't always know the names of the songs on Toad albums because I just put it in my car and drive around for you know a day and 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 just enjoy it, right? So when I'm I'm sitting here looking at the, the track listing, and I'm like, are these really the first four tracks on this album? But yeah, um, they are. Yeah, they are. And, and and what I find funny is because I love the first four tracks on this on this record. Absolutely love the way this record starts out. But I, I don't know if, if you had, you know, offered me fifty thousand dollars to tell you what the, the names of songs two and three were that I would have been able to tell you. I I knew I knew whatever I fear and I know damn would break, but I, I can't say I knew the others, even though I absolutely love that. That I mean, just I love this whole album, but that those first four, right? Like whatever I fear, I think I I personally never understood Tom's resistance to this record because to me it just seemed so obvious that it was kick ass from beginning to end, and and with whatever I fear, you know, it just it comes right out of the gate. And I, I love sort of what they're they're doing, um, and then I, I guess maybe I'm so excited to get to Damn Would Break, which is 
one of the huge highlights for me of this record. Um, mm. But yeah, you know, it's it's cool. Yeah, you know, it's funny when you actually like research the albums that that you love for years. One of the interesting things that I never really appreciated about Coil is I think if you if you look at the songwriting credits for Coil compared to the other albums, there is a lot less of Nichols and a lot more of Glenn Phillips. I mean, Nichols is only on three songs. Wow! As far as a, as far as writing. Hmm. Well, then I really respond to his songwriting because I just think everything about this is great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I'm with you that whatever I whatever I fear, come down and rings is just a powerhouse beginning, and then and then to just sort of. You know, you get to to me. You get to the end of the ring of rings, and you're just like, "What's next?" And then "Damn Would Break" just breaks you. Um, it's it's. I don't even know if "Desire" is that really good of a song, but by the time you get to that track, you just need three minutes to, <laughs> you know, just kind of relax and just let mm -hmm. them do whatever the hell they want, so you can kind of come back to to life. So so and and "Damn Would Break" has has the lyric in question. Yes, right? it does. The, the, the most in, important lyric that, that we all thought we knew what it was. And and so it starts out, I mean, just everything about Dan would break. I think musically it's spectacular. I think lyrically it's so wonderfully over the top. Is it this place that makes me fall from you? Forget the words that once rang so true. Did we expect that life was ever fair, my God? And here's the, here's the line. According to um, AZ lyrics, it's I sewed, and in fact, it's it's actually in the the booklet because I've I've read it with my own eyes. Okay, I sewed a field of rows and reaped a whipping rod. Now we always thought it was I sewed a field of woes and reaped a whipping rod. Now either way, um, that is a very very difficult line to sing. Um, it's it's definitely a, a tongue twister, and when I first read the the lyric, which again, Paul, what that was a year, two years ago, it, it wasn't that long, relatively yeah. speaking, right? And I was like, "What? That's crazy! How could I have been wrong all this time?" But when you think about it, <laughs> um, it makes a certain amount of sense, right? Because if you're if you're going to get a whipping rod from a rose bush, mm. that's a brutal freaking whipping rod you're going to get out of that. So mm. I get where he's going. It just, it was unexpected because I thought I'd, you know, sowing a field of woes, you know, it's, it's more metaphorical, whereas sowing a field of rose is much more, um, less so. It, it's more, mm. you know, yep. tangible. Yes, it's a it, it's a it's a great point because it is it's more it's more tangible, less psychological. Yeah, yeah. And then of perhaps course, I, perhaps I enjoy the psychological approach. <laughs> yeah. And, and 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 I have to I have to read the lyrics for the second verse as well. Yeah. What yeah. is this ice that gathers round my heart to stop the flood of warmth before it even starts? 
It would make me blind to what I thought would always be the only constant in the world for me. And every hour of every day I need to fight from pulling away. And if my mind could only loose the chain, the dam would break for all the things I hid away and all the words I could not say, the dam would break. I just the way he expresses that. I, I love the way this guy uses mm -hmm. words. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's and I love this. It's so there is such an emotional and for me psychological component to all of this. And I think that there's a certain kind of genius about using the um you know the scatting of the chorus like the chorus aren't they're not real words um so but they express so much of 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 the emotion of this song yeah in between all all of the verses it's it's, it's fantastic so you had mentioned you had mentioned desire and and you know I I get where you're what you're saying like it may not even be a good song yeah but it it's it's tracked so perfectly right yeah you know it, it it gives you sort of that that moment um in between like again that that four song powerhouse that opens the record just slays you so you get sort of a a, a reprieve but an enjoyable one it's not like you're going God what is this crap yes. Before it's, it's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun hearing the palm muting at the beginning. You know, it's like all of a sudden it's like, wait, did, did Phil Collin guest on this song? What's happening? <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's kind of fun. Sorry. Go ahead. Phil Collin guitarist. Yes. That's what I mean. Yeah. Sorry. Shirt, shirtless guitarist. Yes. That's the only reason I signed <laughs> up for this episode. Phantom. <laughs> Def Leopard references. And then it goes, you know, and then we're we're right back in the deep end with with Don't Fade. Here again, I think I think Glenn is able to communicate such a heavy emotion in this song. And I just it's it's one of those things that that I just I respond to. Um, mm. and and like the last the last two lines don't fade you're staying here with me don't fade i need to know that someone still believes ah oh, just i love it yeah gosh I, I mean maybe maybe this maybe this is just the perfect song for you know an angsty you know emotional 90s kid in his mid 20s i don't know um but i I oh geez like come on like I mean I'm just I'm sorry lead me well don't clear my way it's fascinating how the pallor can stay upon your face yeah when you are when you are light like a little boy flying kites and shouting to the world you're shouting to the world your joy it's just like oh my gosh and and it's so the the music is so sad listening to it it it's is just oh. And listen, the guitar and the, the when the guitars kick in on the on these songs, whether it's whether it's something like rings where they're just big and chunky the whole time through, or whether they come in on don't fade, um, they're just they're so tasty. Um, the tone is delicious, 
and it's it's just razor sharp but it's it's warm at the same time it 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 just it, it's a it's a wonderful thing yeah it 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 has it definitely has an edge but it's not a grating sort of thing in any way yeah. shape or form it's it's kind of it, it's so well done in that regard and again this was this was all these aspects are why i never understood what all the commotion was about this album because it's just yes. it's just so good yeah, well, how often does it happen that you get a band that puts together like an incredible list of songs with emotionally evoking lyrics with absolutely the best sounding instruments they've ever put together that as absent of a hit and yet people don't like it? Like, <laughs> what, what the fuck? Especially after they just had, you know, two albums that went, you know, yes. massive. Yeah, exactly. Can we go? Can we go back to Rings for a second? Oh yeah. Uh, Rings is always, and I think the only reason I I wanted to to um, I know that it was called Rings is because I probably did go back and look to understand the words because it it always just struck me. But I love, um, I love the 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 whole play on words here about uh, wood and trees and it's 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 fantastic and like like some of the things that get me on this is the is like the second um second verse where it's like isn't it strange to see my life you must cut me down and it's it's you must cut me down to look inside and it's just like wow and like if you think about that from, from the standpoint of a tree, right? Like you get this tree that has been alive forever. And the only way you can really, you know, understand its existence is by cutting it down and examine it in its rings. Right. And you guys remember, do you guys remember in, at the Plymouth meeting mall, there used to be a giant, uh, like cross section of a tree in the Plymouth meeting mall. And they dissected the rings and, and showed you at each ring, what, what historical event happened? <laughs> like the, the Pleistocene epoch, right? Right. Yeah. They had it all exactly. Do you yeah. remember? Do you remember that tree? That tree stump? And I do not know. <laughs> it was like on a wall in a big thing at the like as you're walking out one of the en- the exits of oh, or educational art. Okay. Yeah. 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 And and I remember looking at this, you know, as a, as a teenager. And being like, wow, this is so fascinating. And you're tracking, you're tracking the rings, and you're like, oh, this was the Revolutionary War. This was, you know, World War One. All the different things that happened. And then I'm like, oh, and here's where they chopped it down to build a mall. You <laughs> know, <laughs> and, and, and like, <laughs> and and you know, I just that exact thing comes to my mind. But I love. And again, from a psychological perspective, right? We carry ourselves around our whole lives, and and some days, some sometimes, the only way to really see our lives and to look inside is we literally have to cut ourselves down and take ourselves apart to look inside. And I just love that. I freaking, I freaking love it. And um, and the line, how is it? I remember. Knowing that I would live forever, isn't it strange how truth can change? I fucking love that. Yeah, my, I, I, I only know these albums as as melodies, so I'm seeing the lyrics for the first time, and uh, I'm impressed. Thank you, Paul. 
I think we're all having a little bit of that tonight. <laughs> so, you know, I'm trying to not go through this song by song, but I kind of can't help myself. Oh, you can't. Because, you know, Little Man, Big Man was was one of those, you know, one of those songs that sort of leapt out at me earlier than, than some of the others. And, you know, again, it... it uh, I think in in this particular case, the lyrics are so maybe upfront, but yet again, it in that particular case, it just makes it that much easier to appreciate the clever ways in which he uses the words, and you know, even even when he's being upfront, it, it's I find something there. Little man, big man, what's inside? It's all in the places where we find our pride. If there was a soul lost by the road, who'd pass by? Who'd take it home? It's all in the damage that our toys can do. If there was a window pane, who'd throw stones? Who'd walk away? You know, it just, I, I love, yeah. I love the fundamental question here of, you know, who are you? And, and what would you do in these situations? I, I just, I like that sort of challenge for self-reflection, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and he does it in such an, a way, a, such great imagery in those words, and with it with such simplicity too. They're just simple lines, but they paint a picture that we can all see. Yeah, and, and it's 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 not you know here again he's challenging us to to look at ourselves, but it's not in an aggressive in your face everyone sucks kind of way right all uh, someone else may have done yeah and there is an absolutely delicious 12 string going through <laughs> this entire song and an absolutely <laughs> delicious 12 string <laughs> and then we get to throw it all away now it, it, oh this song is pinnacle of lyrics right here this song mm -hmm. i, I he, oh, I I don't even know what to say. I mean, just the way he starts out. Take your cautionary tales. Who starts with cautionary tales? Nobody. <laughs> but but you know, here again, he he's he's drawing these parallels. Take your cautionary tales and take your in, incremental gain and all the sycophantic games and throw them all away. So you know, it, okay, cool. You know, very, very sort of West Coast, you know, hippie sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I'm in it. But then he ups the ante. Burn your TV in your yard and gather around it with your friends and warm your hands upon the fire and start again. It's not just your average reject, you know, corporate America type thing. It's it's almost like it's almost like an active revolution. But again, in a way that is so nice and positive, you know, it, it just it it cracks me up. Yeah, well, it, yeah, because I I feel like it's less of a rebellion song and more of a uh, self actualization song and a uh, and a a coming out song right yeah. it's basically saying take all this shit that you allow to weigh yourself down with and throw it all away and start over and um it's very liberating it, it is so it gets better yeah. take the story you've been sold the lies that justify the pain 
the guilt that weighs upon your soul mm. and throw them all away. Oh, Ugh. okay, Glenn. Yeah, I'm on board. Tear up the calendar you bought and throw the pieces to the sky. Confetti falling down like rain, like a parade to usher in your life. I just got chills. What a, love what a spectacular love image. You can totally see that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, take the dreams that should have died, the ones that kept you lying awake when you should have been all right, and throw them all away. So he's he's going through every, like, all the crap that we all put in our brain and carry around with us. You know, I, I, I used to, and I guess maybe I still do, I don't know. I struggle with, you know, what happens to me upon, you know, my, my own death. And like, I have this fear of, of the grave site, right? And the reason that I fear the grave site is when someone passes away and initially that pain is so immediate and you go to the grave and you have to pay your respects and eventually life takes you away from that spot and you don't go to the grave and you don't pay your respects and then you start feeling guilty that you're not going to the grave and paying the respects and i don't want to be that burden on those who are here after me but I don't know what the answer to that is. And that's sort of the, the vibe I'm getting here in, mm. you know, all of this stuff that we create. Um, and, and as parents, you know, Paul, you understand this. There's nothing better for creating self-guilt and loathing than parenting. Because <laughs> it, and, and, and and I'm not I'm not saying that to be to be flippant, right? It's true. But it's true. But there are so many opportunities where you know there's no manual, and sometimes you just fuck shit up. But but it's not like when you fuck shit up for yourself, now you're fucking shit up for you know these lives that you're you're responsible for nurturing, and 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 the the guilt that can come along with that can be just deadening sometimes. Mm. And, and, you know, here's Glenn telling us, you know, don't, don't be weighed down by stuff that you shouldn't be weighed down by. Um, very cool. Okay. So, um, so we had confetti falling down like rain yeah. and we had the dreams and with the time I waste, Oh, this, this, you know, this was the keystone line for me right here. This was the first one that I really latched onto that opened up the rest of this. With the time I waste on the life I never had, I could have turned myself into a better man. Why are you worrying about all this stuff? Focus on things that can make you better. Ugh. Yeah. There is nothing you can buy and there is nothing you can save to fill the hole inside your heart. So throw it all away. Help me to empty this house. The wool I've gathered all these days and thought I couldn't do without and throw it all away. Oh. Huh. I never realized he said the wool I've gathered all these days. Oh yeah. Wool gathering. Wow. It's spectacular. Wow. What is I'm sorry, I'm you know, sorry to ruin this moment by a stupid <laughs> question. What is wool gathering? <laughs> so generally speaking, gathering wool is um 
when you're sort of distracted um, and someone is is you know talking about something and you're you're just not really paying attention and you're gathering wool. Oh, so in, in this, I think he sort of expands that concept out a little bit to hmm. this to, to describe this phenomenon sort of on a larger, perhaps lifetime scale. Sure. Okay. I I I feel um, a sense of awakening of of new knowledge within me. That's fantastic. I always thought he just said what I've gathered all these days, um, which would which would be equally descriptive of what's in the 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 um storage room in my basement which i always think of this particular line and when, when i go into that room uh yeah i yeah i i'm with you like i had some thoughts around this joe but i don't think anything can top the um the grave the gravesite metaphor uh, pretty powerful well, I may have been going. Uh, you know, a little you further, know it, it's funny. It's funny that you say that. You know, to you know, not to get too personal about things. So, uh, not not this past summer, but the summer before, when we were talking about yes, um, my uh, uncle died, and I went out to Pittsburgh for his funeral, and it was my mother's younger brother, and her eldest brother had passed away many, many, many years ago. In fact, I, I don't even have a memory of really um, meeting him or knowing him. And um, when we went to my uncle's funeral this a couple summers ago, we all got together. There was a family um, burial area um, uh, with gravestones. And my, um, my aunt, who had married my sister's eldest brother um had actually gone there early uh, sort of uh, sort of illustrating exactly what you were you were saying joe right many many decades later you know everybody's lives have gone and she was actually going there to sort of clean up and and prune um his stone and um and when you went when you were discussing that that just that just made me um made me think about that and it's it's a it's a maybe i'm maybe i'm not helping your uh your anxiety <laughs> but it may be maybe a good it may be a good um promo for um for cremation or um or or some other way of disposing your um your mortal remains yeah i don't, I don't know exactly how that's going to happen but it's it's one of the things that uh that sort of keeps me awake and then the guys go into a little bit of a, you know, we go dark and brooding here. So we get amnesia, which is very, very powerful, into Little Buddha. So this this is a good little little Joe music stretch there um, going in. And I, I won't go into that too much because I've already gushed, I think, too much about this album. Um, and then it goes into Crazy Life and it, and it, um, well, it finishes I, up I don't with think, All Things in Time. I, I don't think we can get – we have to at least acknowledge – in amnesia the the um absolute guitars of destruction that come in yes. on, on this song i mean <laughs> the song itself is so powerful but oh goodness gracious they 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 really have and this is what i love about it like the the guitars of destruction are present in this song because that's what this song is about right um and it, it's a, it's a it's a the guitars kind of wake us up 
which is what this whole song is kind of about, right? Waking us up to the idea is that it's quite possible that we've already forgotten all the things that we should remember and that um, we could be, um, we could be repeating ourselves if, if we don't. And um, I, th I think it's pretty cool. Little Buddha, on the other hand, probably. <laughs> or, or the other, the other interpretation is Todd Nichols says, "What the fuck is going on? Wake up, everybody! Let's go." <laughs> He's like, "Listen, I've been waiting like ten years to play this this guitar riff. Let's go! <laughs> Somebody write a song." Um, the, and Little Buddha, I have to admit, Luda, Little Buddha was probably the the very last song on coil that I ever came around to. Really? Um, yeah. I, it just, for whatever reason, the funny, the funny, uh, the funny guitar sounds, the, the, what I originally thought were somewhat disruptive orchestra type arrangements and strings and, and just kind of the weird tonality and some of it reminiscent a little bit, um, to the reincarnation song, the last track on Dulcinea. But I must say, over the years, I have absolutely fell in love with this song um, in all aspects of it. it. It it's quirky, it's different, but for me, I, I uh, it's and it it's especially after Amnesia, it's um, it's tracked wonderfully, and um, I really like it. Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, I got nothing to add because. <laughs> Cause I agree with you. I, 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 and it's, it, for me, it was one of the, it was one of the first ones actually that, that I mm. latched onto, which is, is kind of funny, but it does, I think, speak to some of the, the, the differences in, in how you and I sort of approach these sorts of albums. Right. <laughs> but, it, but it's cool that we all wind up in the same spot. And uh, so we talked about crazy life and then I, you know, so all things in time, Paul, you know, this is not, I think this fits into the category of an appendix song as well, but it perhaps it's not quite as jarring as reincarnation song. So any feelings? Yeah, no. I, I fucking love this song. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, gosh, the, the simplicity of, of the, the guitars in the song and the words are just um, like, there's something so freeing to call out a name and someone's believing. I mean, oh my gosh! Like, talk about liberating, and and freeing. Oh, it, it, I I absolutely love the song, and I also love how. You know, he talks about at the beginning of the first chorus. It's it's um you know I'll hold a light for you to see all things in time all you'll ever need, and yeah. then, and then um you know he flips it in the second verse. And uh, he says, um, if you'll hold the light for me to see. Um, and I think I just quoted the second verse recently for some reason on our group chat. But, I mean, I've, I have connected with this particular line so many times um, through my life where he says, um, something I can't explain keeps me running afraid. And every day looks me in the face and says, who do you think you were anyway? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and and I think the the delivery on this on this track it's yeah so so Ken you've been you've been kind of quiet on this um you know did did you ever have any strong feelings either way on Coil as as we've argued over this album over the last 
you know, 10, 15, 20 years? Oh, I, I had the Joe bootleg series just like Paul did. So, so, so you, you're, you're, <laughs> and, and for the younger listeners, this was before the interwebs, before Spotify, before any kind of file sharing Napster and, you know, cassettes. That I think was, we are the younger listeners of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, heavens. Well, <laughs> oh, but yeah, I, I never did the deep dive, man. This was just beautiful, beautiful music. And, 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 and yeah, this guy's tearing up my heart tonight. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I'll circle back around and, and I'll appreciate this more in post. Uh, you know, you, you guys carried the torch for these guys, and I'm, I'm I'm glad you did. Yeah, like I said, the this this three album sequence it, it, to me is, it, you know, I've enjoyed doing this, and 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 I I got a lot more out of of Pale than I ever did before. Um, and I, I still honestly haven't. I think I've listened to New Constellation maybe once, because I don't know that I need anything more. Than these three albums, and, and I can get, I, I can get virtually any, I can satisfy any mood I may have with any combination of the three of them, one, two, or three of them all together. It, it doesn't really matter. Whatever mood I'm in, I can satisfy it with, with the the songs on these three records. So you know, uh, would, would it have been great if if they had you know given us, you know three four five six more albums um yeah maybe it would have been but i i never left wanting for for toad the wet sprocket because they've given me everything that i need hmm. you know nice All right. well, I, well i well go ahead ken <laughs> now paul you first please I don't want you to bail out and go to bed already. We still have, <laughs> we still have a few things to cover here. Um, <laughs> um, so I, 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 I'm with you on New Constellation. So Dave DeWitt, uh, uh, author of the uh, Progressive Palaver theme song, Thank you, actually, actually said, you know, told me when he was like, dude, you got to check out New Constellation. I can't believe that you don't know it. I was like, yeah, I didn't even know it existed. And, and it's funny the way you described, you know, having everything that you need from Toad the Wet Sprocket because it's almost like in those situations we've talked about before, where when you listen to New Constellation, it's it's all very good, but the whole time I'm thinking, oh, this just makes me want to go listen to Coil or Don't Play It, <laughs> you know, and and it's really it's 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 very difficult. There's there's um a couple of tracks that uh really hit me there's a there's a track square in the middle of the album um called i'll bet on you and uh there's some 12 string in it and i really liked it and so that and a couple of the tracks around that sort of uh kind of pulled me in but i really want to go back and listen to that with a careful eye to the lyrics and just really spend more time with it because uh, i think that it's um it's it's good and it's worth worth you know taking more of a deep dive into i think so i guess the question is though is it is it worth another episode i i mean i don't i mean i don't think so i'm ready to go into pink floyd myself um 
but but well, maybe we should take some homework away from us in this and and spend some time with uh you know with a uh, new constellation I, and i i support that i'm a big uh you know one of the things that we you know a precedent that we established with the asia catalog and and actually with with yes as well is we don't have to do everything all at once so we can right. we can drop two episodes on toad and we can drop the third one whenever we want it's our podcast whenever we damn well feel like it i do i do want to talk about though um and you know because this is sort of i think what we've now dubbed as a short segment um you know we we definitely don't get too too deep into um you know the band lore which we already you know we're short on in many circumstances um and and i remember when we first talked about doing toad and i started looking for lore it was actually pretty tough to find anything uh, about these guys. Um, just a few interviews. It just really, there it doesn't seem to be a lot around there. But what I did find fascinating is, and I never really thought about how, because my head was kind of in the sand in you know, most of the 90s. So while I, I think by the time I was in the 90s, I was so used to just liking music that no one else really listened to that, it was kind of lost on me that fear went platinum <laughs> and that, and that Dulcinea went platinum and was being played, you know, in grocery stores and all over the place. So, so um, I, I don't think it ever occurred to me that, that, you know, the guys in Toad the Wet Sprocket should have just been, you know, basically, you know, rich and famous, like, you know, Phil Collins and the like. And yet I want to say that the band basically went back and re-recorded all of their hits in a different collection simply because they could not get the, the licensing to their own music based on their record deal or what a publishing deal or whatever. So they had to go back and re-record. They, they did put an album out in, 2011 which was all reimagined songs of all of their uh, big hits and um they did that so that they would be able to license the songs in in different places i don't know if anyone knows anything about that or or can comment further i i i've heard that tale but i, I don't know anything more than what you just told us so um i believe there's an example a similar example with the fix, um, with a couple of, uh, I, it may have been a slightly different motivation, but I, I, you know, they had a different band lineup on their first album versus their subsequent one, and so Red Skies at Night and Stand or Fall, um, they ended up re-recording for a, a live album that they did, so that they would have recordings you know, credited to the lineup that they wanted to, you know, make all the money, so to speak. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. this was a, I guess it's a legal tool that was available. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just, I, you know, I find it interesting on a couple of, of, of points. I think that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, we haven't, I, I know early on in the palaver, we talked a little bit about streaming and, and the, the pitfalls of that and people like it, people don't like it. And I tire very quickly when I hear, um, 
you know, people talk about how awful streaming is and how they're destroying musicians and artists and all of this stuff and how all this stuff. I tire very quickly of it because I am of the opinion that the big, bad music business machine has always had it in for the artist and has always been screwing them over as best as they could. And I just cite this as, as one of those examples. You have a, a, a band, an active band with platinum albums, and, and they can't make money off of it because of you know, bullshit legal agreements, and they're forced to do something like that. So yeah, whoop, whoopsie, off my soapbox. There I go. <laughs> Soapboxes are allowed here on the Palaver, and in some cases, even encouraged. And it is possible, too, I just throw in, even though I, this is a shameless plug, you might, if you search Paul Zotter, whatever I fear, you might actually see me performing that song acoustically. <laughs> Damn right. I can't, I can't guarantee it's a very good version because it's many years ago. But, but, and I'm sure the video quality is very poor. But, but, but do you have the, the lyrics correct, Paul? I, I'm sure I'm singing it incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind. Oh, boy. Uh, on the live performance vein, Joe, y you said the fix, and I, I just have to detour here. On Friday, I head off to a yoga benefit with a live guitar and, and, and vocalist, and I'm doing the thing. I'm in my jam, going through all the poses, and he plays one thing leads to another. And I I could not stop myself from singing with him. It was like <laughs> embarrassing. That's fantastic. L local dude, Andre Coles, nailed it. Um, wow. So, so uh, yeah, we, 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 I, I started off with a big belly flop on this episode, trying to uh, reel in Radiohead, and you guys weren't um, on board so much. But if, if I said that there was another band who had a career in tandem with this period of Toad, um, Dada, would you be on board with that? Oh, <laughs> yes. Of course we would. <laughs> okay, uh, we, 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 we don't have to do the boo or yay game, but, it's, but just it's, in general, it's all Dada. Yay. It, yeah. it is all yay. Yeah. It is all yay. Okay. All right, all right. And then what happened after Toad the Wet Sprocket and Dada, when they fell off the face of the earth, what replaced it? And, 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 and I go to uh, setlist.fm to check out some recent and 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 we'll we'll plug to the wet sprocket here they are touring and should check out their set list so we, you should try to see them the 30th anniversary in, in, tour apparently in, yeah and their current in, incarnation so i pull up setlist.fm i'm checking out the uh last time that they played parks casino here in Pen in pennsylvania and freaking setlist fm is shoving nickelback down my throat <laughs> and, and 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 but 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 that's that's just exactly what happened when these bands went away they were replaced by the nickelbacks of the world there you go it's it's funny i was looking at the the 30th anniversary tour dates and they will be in irving texas on june 7th now that happens to be a weekend that i have my kids which means i may ask my daughter grace if she wants to go to a show oh she might like Toad the Wet Sprocket even better she, than the Grand the Grand Affair. She may very well. I, I, I'm, I'm the Royal Affair. Sorry, Royal Affair. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's something that I'll definitely consider. That could be that could be fun. The Royal Illusion is that? A <laughs> that is awesome. Damn, that's that's fantastic. You know, I I have to say this has been a fun episode to talk about all of the things. Um, you know, Toad the Wet Sprocket is like, how can there be a band that I love so much that I know so little about 
including their lyrics and song titles, and I've never seen them live. No, you haven't ever. Never, never. I mean, seen I've them only live. seen them once, so I'm not in any position to to be talking trash. But they are. I mean, you know, Paul, you did that that special concert series with me on that one. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a great show. So they're yeah. they're definitely worth going to see. Absolutely, hundred um, percent. They sound sound great, and uh, you know they they seem very comfortable with you know having this relatively limited catalog, and that's what people like, and that's cool. Yeah, and you know we've we've talked about this so many times before. It's timeless, you know, isn't it? Like what 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 they deliver these lyrics they they are powerful when you are 25 years old and they are powerful when you are on the verge of turning 50 yep absolutely it's all very very good so that um so that'll pretty much end our our little short segment this time on toad the wet sprocket as we get ready to move into uh you know one of the one of the the prog stalwarts of of Pink Floyd. Can't wait to do that. So, any closing thoughts on Toad the Wet Sprocket here? Uh, certainly, these two albums, or in general, yes, Ken. Yeah, I, I was just about to say you're you're setting me off to sleep with some of the the, the scariest, darkest innuendos that uh, Glenn Phillips could pen. But <laughs> but 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 with the mention of Pink Floyd, we have nothing but scary, dark innuendos ahead of us. That's- that's, that's true. That, that's right. Uh, it's true. Uh, you know. You know what's? I'm looking at the to- Toad the Wet Sprocket tour dates for this year, and I'm I'm. Uh, there's a there's a July 10th show, which is a Friday in Guilford, New Hampshire. There is a July 11th show in Uncasville, Connecticut. There's a July 12th show. Sunday in Boston, Mass., and then there is a uh, Tuesday, July fourteenth, in Philadelphia. That's four Toad the Wet Sprocket shows within six hours. Um, that could be an epic, uh, an epic opportunity to uh, you know do the old let's follow the band for a little while. I am going to listen to Toad the Wet Sprocket. Um, a lot more in uh, in in the future because I have been listening to them. You know, they are one. They are on steady rotation for my entire life, um, and and that will not change because somehow, as uh, Doug Pinnock has said, I'll never get tired of you. Um, I just true. can continue listening. listeners uh if you've stuck with us through these two episodes we certainly appreciate that and you know hey if you like if you like toe the wet sprocket and respond to their lyrics um 
you know, let us know. We, we'd love to hear about it. If you have thoughts on the uh, the Toad versus Dada thing, hey, it's all out there. And if you just want to tell us to shut up and get on with Pink Floyd, we want to hear that too. <laughs> so you can reach us on all of the usual means of communication. That would be Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Progpala or search for Progressive Palaver. You're always welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala at gmail.com. Um, and then... Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So, until next time, thank you for listening. Sweet! On this episode of Progressive Palaver... You know, I can't decide if you guys bust my shoes about that because you like it or you just think it's ridiculous. Dude, it's the best. It's it's exactly what every like it's what it's what we need. Like even my kids who who have who have only listened to part of like two episodes, they'll say the same thing. They'll just go (laughs) on this episode of Progressive (laughs) Flat.